So we are continuing our series uh, in Luke, kind of going 9 through 11-ish, and it's a series about about being sent, being sent ones, and engaging our neighbors around us. And as I've been thinking about this, I recognize, again, it's the neighborhood that God has placed our church, but it's the neighborhood in which we all live, right? We are called, we are sent to them as well. Um, So uh, for those of you who are present, We've printed off um, uh, the scripture and uh, some reflection questions on the back. And for those of you online, I did send you an email through uh, FCBC Net uh, during the service this morning when I realized I hadn't sent it. Uh, and it's the same document. You can open that up in Google Docs and take a look at it. And I'll give you a little time. I'll do a brief intro before we do that. Um, we are going to do this like my last message. It's going to be mostly discussion with, with a brief intro. Uh, Title this not the bad Samaritans. I, I think it's uh, where I think we're going to talk more about um, wh- how how we you know where we find hope. That isn't the exact reality around this particular passage, but I think it fits with the theme that God has for us in general today. And I want to start with a brief story. So recently, I found out that a, um, a, a family member of ours who loves Jesus has stopped going to church. He's, this guy is, I've, you know, he's loved Jesus most of his life. He's a really great man, but he's lost hope in, in the church, and so he stopped attending. He's deeply discouraged. And we, we can only speculate on some of the reasons we, my, Lori talked to him a bit more than I have, and I'm just giving you like a third-hand account. But a little backstory from them, both their, he and his wife for years attended Willow Creek. And his children, uh, at least his younger, their younger son grew up there and was actively involved in their, in their high school and, and college ministry, and it really impacted his life. But here they are today, right? That's just one issue. They've seen this in other places. Um, one of their older son is no longer walking with God, and the pastor of the church that they attended, Willow Creek, um, has failed morally, and even with all the evidence against him, is unwilling, seems unwilling to repent. And, uh, and then they see this happening around them. They've seen the, the political nature of what's gone on and what seems like a lot of response out of a spirit of fear instead of a spirit of love. And he's given up. He's lost hope. Um, Lori and I were talking at, about this, and it reminded her of the quote that people attribute to Gandhi, but really wasn't him. I found this out online. I was a little surprised. It probably comes from an Indian philosopher from the 1920s, named Baradatta, and he said, Jesus is ideal and wonderful, but you Christians, you're not like him. Right? So, and so we're going to look at this passage. It fits in with what we're talking about. I'm kind of giving you a heads up to where I want to go at the end, which is Luke chapter 9 and, um, and uh, the beginning of a couple of verses from Luke 10. Now, just a couple notes on this, and many of you are, know this passage, so I'm just telling you what you already know, but and so you understand the context. First of all, it was common for Samaritans to refuse accommodations to Jews traveling to Jerusalem uh, for religious events. They were going, and this time they were, you know, we know they were traveling through for the, to the Passover, right? Um, and this was because of their animosity and hatred for one another. Uh, so what happens here is not unheard of. Just that's one point you need to know. Um, and then you'll see later on, Jesus responds to two men. Uh, on the road, um, and he is, um, this isn't working, okay, 
So we see, um, we see later on Jesus responds to two men on the road, and he's talking with them about, he's ta- what he's talking with them is about the cost of following him. That's what his comments are around. Um, but also when the man says he, he has to bury his father, uh, his father wasn't, was probably not dead. What he was saying was a polite way of saying, I can't follow you until my father's life is done and he has died, Who know, whoever along that is. Um, so that was a, a, it was very important in Jewish society to take care of, of one's parents, especially aging ones, until their death. Um, so that's just a few notes as we read the passage. And important for you to understand what's going on here, okay? Um, so I'm going to read it uh, briefly, uh, and, and then we're going to um, we're gonna break up into groups and discuss a few questions, okay? So Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? When Jesus, but Jesus turned and rebuked them, and then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to to him, let the dead bury their, their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus said later on, when you enter a town and are welcomed and um, and eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that that town. All right. Take a minute and reflect on it. And then I'd like you to break up into groups. We can do twos, pairs, or threes whatever works out, and just begin to discuss these questions that I've asked. They're simple questions, like what are the reasons that people do not welcome Jesus and his good news? Um, Think about then, but also think about today. Uh, What are the consequences? And then I want you to spend some time, too, on the last question. How do we keep people from receiving the good news or receiving the presence of Jesus? What's our role in all that, okay? So we're going to do that, and then... so. Online, just to know, we're going to give everybody here 10 minutes um, on your end, and then when we come back together, we'll have some uh, response time, and we will use the mic so you can hear what people are saying, okay?
Okay, bring your comments to a close. We'll pull back together. Okay, so the first question I want us just to kind of shout out answers to. So what we're keeping these people from following Jesus, or what, what keeps people from following Jesus today? What do we see? Yeah, I know. Um, but I think on this one, we're not going to ask for long-winded. We're just asking for, a, like, quick responses to the first question. And the second. The la- this last question will... I know, I'll tell them. Yeah. You won't hear it online, but I'll tell you. Okay? Yeah. So what are some of the reasons why people didn't take Jesus up on his offer? Other responsibilities. Yeah, maybe they don't feel like their life isn't together enough. Yeah, definitely racial or ethnic barriers, right? Other priorities in their life. What, Paul? Yeah, they were too set in their ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have to ask the second question. It's pretty obvious. They're missing out on a lot, right? They're missing out on hope. They're missing out on peace. They're missing out on new life. They're missing out on healing, on transformation, on everything that God has to offer them. And so I, I kind of like, but wh- how do we as a body or as people, as individuals, how do we keep people from being able to receive this good news? Or, or maybe you have something in general like, this really struck me from our discussion. I'd like to share it. And this, I will hand you a microphone. So if you'd like to share. All right, David. Um, yeah, one way we might keep people from receiving the good news is if we react like the disciples and we want to call down curses on them. <laughs> that might be a little detrimental, yeah. <laughs> Other thoughts? Or maybe something in general from the sh- your sharing time that you thought was profound and you wanted to share. Um, we can keep people from receiving the good news by not putting Jesus first. Uh, Choosing to engage people, go and find and actually offer out to engage them about the Lord and the kingdom. Yeah, Yeah, just like, it feels like a lot like, just like the Samaritans had their reasons the same are true for us as well, right? We're not that much different from the people who were rejecting Jesus at that time sometimes. Yeah, so it's important to keep that in mind. Anyone else want to share? Gary? Alex pointed out the contrast between the two towns. <coughs> the first town, Jesus is very sympathetic. 
is offering them the chance and just trying to quiet his disciples. The second town, he's um, pointing out that the fact that they're refusing can bring down um, consequences. Related to that one thing I noticed at the end of this is that uh, it starts out with, with the James and John saying, you know, do you want us to call down fire? And at the end, Jesus says, you know, uh, tell, the, tell them if they reject you, uh, even the dust of your tongue we wipe from our feet as a warning to you, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And that's the end of what Jesus tells them to tell them. <laughs> he reassures them that, you know, God will take care of judgment at the end, but he tells them, look, the kingdom of God has come near you. Keep on that. It's really important for us to, maybe it doesn't seem like rocket science, but as I've been um, uh, kind of reflecting on this passage and even more um, than this lately, um, one of the things that uh, kind of went through my mind is just this, this idea of like, What's the most important thing to me? I don't know if you ever ask yourself the question, like, what's my top priority in my life? What's more important? And I realized it wasn't Jesus. There's so many other things in the way, do you know what I mean? That, feel, that, are, that take up more time, that take up more focus, that I end up focusing on mostly, maybe don't even bring to Jesus himself. I don't know if, you're, if you think about that, if that's true for you as well. How do we make Jesus, like, the, th the most important thing. Because that's kind of what he gets at here, isn't it, in this passage? I mean, many the reasons why the people weren't interested in the gospel um, or ways uh, we keep them from are the same. They're the same thing. There's one, that there's one thing that stands out above the rest. It, there's something else in my life or your life or their life that's more important than the gift God is offering. Right? Think about it. I mean, and... Um, and so, and God doesn't want to be second to anything. That's not, and that's not what's best for us either, right? He should be first and foremost if we're truly his disciples. And we know this, right? We know this, we, but we have to remind ourselves. Um, uh, and, um, you know, even the examples of the men he meets on the road, the three men, I'm not sure any of them ended up following him because there was something else that was more important. The first, it was comfort, right? The second, it was he... He had this responsibility, this priority that he needed to take place. And the third one, to spend time with his family. And Jesus is basically saying, no, you have to choose me first above all else. If you don't, you don't really, you, you don't really, you, you miss out on what, I, what I'm going to bring. There's a lot of passages in scripture that talk about this. I was thinking Matthew 10 is a great example. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Right? Hard sayings like that. Like Jesus saying, look, I, he's not saying I don't care about your family. I don't care about your parents. I don't care about your kids. No, you need to make me first and number one. And I think that's the thing that these people, they recognize, I'm not sure I really want this. Right? I'm not, I'm not, maybe they don't even get to that place because there are other things that get in the way. 
And many of us struggle with that as well. And it makes sense, especially in our current reality, right? It's really easy to lose our zeal for the Lord and not make him number one because we're so overwhelmed by everything else that's going on in our lives, right? Who can't say that's true, right? Well, it's, a, it's a reality of our culture. Um, it's what's happening to our churches. It's the pandemic that we're facing right now. It's the fact that um, many of us find ourselves um, focusing most of our times on entertaining in order to comfort ourselves in the midst of what's going on. There's a great deal of fear and anxiety, and all of this may lead us to the place where we find ourselves in where Jesus isn't the first, right? Our first love anymore. Um, we see our churches fall, like, my, like the family member we were talking about. Uh, we're in the midst of that as well, and we get discouraged and we lose hope, right? But where do you find hope if not in the body of Christ and in your relationship with Jesus together? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And how do you make him number one? Like, I can't do this on my own, right? Like, I need you guys to help me. And we need each other to help one another in order to, to make sure that our love for Jesus is the first thing in our lives. To call people out, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to pray for one another, to pray with each other, right? That's the answer to the, pre the, the problem. Like this morning, Sue asked me how you're doing, and I said, I feel kind of sick right now. And she said, I felt great until I came to church, and then I started feeling sick too. I'm like, what's going on? You know, there, for me, it was more a feeling of discouragement. It was, she goes, I think this is a spiritual attack, right? So that's one thing that's very real we're facing. There's also the emotional exhaustion of what we're all going through. It never seems to end. Like, could you give me a break, God, right? Don't you feel that sometimes? Um, and it, it wears us out and it wears us thin. But where's the answer except in a time like this, where we're together worshiping the Lord, praising his name, calling on him, and asking for the thing we need, which is hope above all else, right? Um, that, if we want to, like, to become who, okay, I'll tell you this. This isn't in my notes, but... We are in this really weird season, and uh, uh, last week, Lori and I, not this past week, but the week before, we took a few days away and uh, was reading through a um, Bible through the year, right? And the passage was, we started Nehemiah, and as I was reading Nehemiah and, and, the, and the, um, you know, Nehemiah's heart for his city and the broken down walls, even Lori had this feeling too as she read it, oh, this is our church. This is how we feel, right? Like, look, the walls are, are broken down. Look, the enemy has come in. You know, look, the people are scattered. And, and that sense of God saying it's time to, like, rebuild. It's time to renew. And it's not us. It's, like, together allowing God to do that work. Reform is the word that Sue was using. But whatever it is, like, God has something for us, but we can't do it alone. Um, and that only happens when we make Jesus the first priority in our lives and we choose him first above all else. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going um, to pray just to end this time, and then we'll have a few people up front. If you would like more prayer yourself, like you need encouragement, not just in hope, but in, but in helping making Jesus number one again, right? Because that's a struggle. Um, and, uh, and then let's continue this conversation. Let's not end it. I have a few announcements after I pray as well. Um, so, so, Lord, I want to thank you for... Um, uh, the fact that uh, you not only ask us how to do how to, to do hard things, right? To to make you number one, even to go as far as giving up things that are precious to us, even our own life. But you but you don't just do that 
without providing for us everything that we need. And I thank you that it comes because you love us first, and, and it comes because your spirit is with us, and it comes because you've given us each other, and that what we're facing now as a body, uh, as a church, not just our church, but every church in the U.S. is facing this right now, um, as, a, as a nation, as a church, big C across the world is, you are trying to make us new more and more into your image. You have a plan for us that you want us to fulfill, and that only can happen um, if we allow you to do this work. And it's hard, it's really hard um, to have hope in the midst of all that we're struggling with right now, but that comes from being connected to you together. So I pray for that in Jesus' name. God, in our little body here, um, will you help us to stay connected together, to encourage one another, to pray together, Lord, Lord, in order that your kingdom might come and your will might be done. Will you give us hope in the midst of the struggles we have, even if things get worse, which they're likely to? Help us to keep our trust in you and help us to be a body that supports and encourages one another through it all. I pray your blessing on this body, the blessing of love, God, and hope. And ingenuity, that's something else that we want, God, as we think about how do we move forward in the midst of all that's happening. Help us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have a few announcements for you, and then um, we will have prayer afterwards. First, thank you for everyone who helped make this happen. Thank you, uh, Joseph and Naomi. Thank you, Doug. Um, thank you, Matt and worship team um, for making this happen. Uh, it does take extra work with all the things we're going through now. Um, yeah, so uh, bless them whenever you get a chance. Um, a few reminders, uh, there is a uh, gathering for lunch today at 12.30. That's going to happen at the Stevens house. It's a storytelling dog days of summer gathering. Thank God the weather humidity broke, and it's a nice day outside, so it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. If it was yesterday, I, I might have gone but sat in my car or in their house. So. Um, the, this is another note. Uh, in a few weeks, on the 14th, we will be having a... Um, a meeting, probably family house group leaders meeting. The elders haven't confirmed that yet. This summer is a time, was a time for us to reconnect, and we're doing that again today and remember what it means to be a family. And this fall, again, we'll be engaging in the transformation, the remaking, the re reformation that God has us in, um, and talking more about what we see and how to move forward together. We have um, some um, uh, clear ideas that we'll be presenting as well as some questions for you um, to get your feedback on as well. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, and just, again, praying for hope for one another. Um, so one of the things that's really clear, and I'll say this again, we've been in this building project now for four years, and the Lord said to me again two weeks ago, the building isn't the building, it's you, right? And God, I'm rebuilding you. That was the clear word I had from the Lord. And so I think we need to keep that in mind. It's uh, been a long, arduous, painful process, but good um, in, in many ways. So let's focus on the good stuff that happens and grieve the difficult things in the midst of it as we move forward and ask God to continue this process until, well, it never ends, right? But until we're, until we're once again in a place that I would, we would all say feels And again, healthy is, per, is based on perspective, right? Healthy doesn't mean big. Um, but healthy means uh, share, have a shared common vision 
have our hope in Jesus together and are trusting him regardless of what we're facing. That's what we're talking about. Until we get to what we, and that was the place we want to get to next, I feel like. Um, so, we'll, so we'll pray for that, but continue to pray for our, 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 um, our project. And then the other thing is, um, is remember that we together bring the presence of God to one another. And, and we, we need that. Like you, we need to experience God's presence. So think of ways this week you can share and bring the, the presence and a blessing to God to others in our body. 